Welcome everyone to uh, another episode of uh, Born and Then Raised. This is Ravi speaking to you. Hey, what's up? It's Raf. How you guys doing? Um, like you guys know, obviously we didn't release a new episode last week, just because the one we're talking about, the topic we're going to be talking about today, is just you know very heavy on research, and it took us a while to come up yeah. with you know the right amount of information to discuss and really give it the attention that that we think it deserves mm-hmm. um we might still not have been able to reach that mark but i think that we're definitely better off waiting this out for another week than if we had rushed it last week so yeah no, i agree yeah i guess i can just start talking about <laughs> what that topic actually is so uh, i'm pretty sure that you guys have noticed in our previous episodes that every time we kind of spoke about Black Lives Matter and COVID-19, we c- there was like an overlap that kept arising and we didn't really do much to address it at mm-hmm. the time just because, you know, we knew just how dense the subject actually was. Yeah. But it's that whole question of are there discrepancies within black communities or uh, persons of color and, you know, mm-hmm. is, is there a connection between race and lower income households and... um you know, being at higher risk of contracting COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And from from the research that we did for the other things that we talked about in the past, um, you know, even when we're looking at reopening schools, one of the things that came up was the fact that this may be difficult considering certain schools in more urban areas that historically obviously are um, mostly black communities. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just time that we we finally addressed that elephant in the room and really looked into that figured out why um it's even a topic first of all see if it's a legitimate topic or if it's just people reaching yeah and then from there kind of map out with statistics and research and evidence what 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 this is all about so this is going to be our attempt at finally you know describing that connection which we <laughs> we obviously have been trying to avoid doing for the last couple of weeks so yeah yeah i think i think um before we start, I, I guess the first thing that we can we can we can probably talk about is like what what is this link that we we keep speaking yeah. about? Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> from the from the research that we found, we first have to look at COVID itself, and um, a lot of I guess a lot of what's been going around and what a lot of people have been saying is that those who kind of already have underlying health condi- health conditions, excuse yeah. me, those are the people who usually are more at risk. So I guess from that point, you kind of have to see if there's actually a connection between those who are more at risk, um, biologically speaking, Uh I guess for the virus itself. And then you have to see if there's any connection between this other group of people who we presume to have a higher risk, which is lower income individuals or persons of color. Right. So first off, we, kind of like i guess had to look back historically speaking and we had to see if there was really a connection um with certain i guess health conditions like diabetes right. or uh, cancer or maybe some type of like chronic illness right. that um has just been within the family for a long amount of time right. or let's say because of living conditions or whatever it may be you might be developing a certain disease that you wouldn't really quite see in an affluent area right so what we did find was that there was a connection between these lower income areas and being at high risk for COVID-19. But when we kind of, I guess, scale back to our original conversation, you know, when we were talking about Black Lives Matter and like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we're kind of looking at it as like an overlap between like, you know, the black community and COVID-19. Then you can kind of make that, I guess, that stepladder connection from like, you know, black communities to 
you know, the connection between black communities and lower income areas mm-hmm. and then lower income areas to, you know, being at risk for COVID-19. So I guess specifically looking at examples with, I guess, the disease, um, diabetes, for example, right? right? So you look at black communities and, you know, a lot of black communities, um, I think it's relatively, uh, I, I don't want to, okay, I, I'll be careful when I say this. I would believe that, you know, most black communities aren't very affluent, you know? So like right. a majority of black communities are, you know, considered lower income. So from there, you know, a lot of lower income areas, um, I can't remember the exact name of the study, but I actually remember um, reading it a long time ago. And they found that a lot of lower income areas were more likely to have, you know, more fast food spots, you know, um, areas that didn't really quite have as much healthy food. When you looked at, you know, higher income areas, you'd see like a Whole Foods, you know, you'd see these very wide range and very, a lot of different options, you know, Mm -hmm. very healthy options. So just there off rip, you already kind of have like a difference in diet in a way and, you know, what's available. And on top of that, you know, you look at fast food and like you see how cheap it is. Like, you know, Uh you can get like a $5 biggie bag from Wendy's, for example. I'm I'm susceptible (laughs) to get one of those every once in a while. And I'm not ashamed to to say that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, then you kind of look at like Whole Foods and you'd say that, you know, like I wouldn't call it like super expensive. But it's like, you know, if you just wanted to do regular grocery shopping, you're not going to immediately consider like i mean some people consider whole foods but like it's it's more expensive than the average grocery store i guess you could say Mm -hmm. so right there you already kind of have a connection to like you know this difference between lower income areas and like you know higher income areas and just their diets for example Mm -hmm. so when you kind of i guess trickle down the the stairwell and then you kind of all of a sudden see that there might be a connection between you know the the pre-existing health condition of diabetes and you know contract contracting covid and it being dangerous then it all makes sense to see why, you know, there's kind of this correlation, at least, at least there's a correlation between a lower income area and, you know, COVID-19 being very, you know, dangerous for you and your family, right? Right. Right. So then from there, I guess we can look at persons of color and how, you know, they seem to be suffering from the way we kind of handle Mm COVID-19. So, I mean, even beyond just pre-existing right. health conditions, you know, you kind of, you, you start to look at, you know, the way healthcare is handled in general. Yeah. Exactly. Before the pandemic. Yeah. Right. So you start to see, I guess, how lower income areas, like, you know, a lot of people always say like, you know, you look at hospitals, like, you know, a hospital in the lower income area probably isn't going to be as, you know, top notch as one in the city. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, not just one in the city, but like, for example, MGH in Boston, you know, very, very high ranked hospital, very, respected hospital it's not this isn't a very like you know underfunded you know hospital like it's very well looked at and you know it's it's up there so you you start to see it you know okay you start to ask questions like what are the what's the quality of health care that's accessible for lower income families because you start to look at insurance as well and like you know insurance premiums are pretty high you know for good insurance but then you look at you know some of the insurance that may be afford may be affordable for some lower income families mm-hmm. and the coverage may not be as good and not to mention that you know insurance is simply just to cover you know some of the cost right it's not meant to cover like you know in some situations it covers everything but in some in others it doesn't so there's still going right. to be a copay there's still going to be like you know an out-of-pocket cost right so actually i was looking at um covid testing earlier and what I found was that, you know, first off, there's two different types of tests, right? 
So there's the swab test. You know, I, I'm pretty sure most people have heard of it. Like, you know, it, it goes up your nose. It's very disgusting. Um, and then there's the antibodies test, right? right? Right. So the difference between those two is that the swab test actually is more expensive than the antibodies test. And the antibodies test is just meant to see if you've had it before, if you've, if you've contracted COVID-19 before. Not to say that, not to see if you've had it at that moment, but just to see, say, you know, maybe you got it a long time ago, but it's well out of your system. The swab test is to see if you have it exactly at that moment. So when you kind of look at the difference in those tests, the one to see that if you've had it at this at this very moment is already more expensive. Right. Then you look at insurance, you know, depending on what insurance you have, if you have like a base insurance, then it's probably going to be more expensive. Right. Mm. And then beyond that, even if you go to a hospital to get it checked instead of like an urgent care or like telehealth, it's going to be more expensive. So as you go up the ladder and as you try to, like, I guess, be more careful and more safe, it seems that it just gets more and more expensive. Uh But if the lower if the lower income individuals are more at risk than someone who is, you know, higher income, then why wouldn't it just it seems to be going at a completely opposite direction. Right. Right. You know, the needs of both seem to be kind of, I guess, crisscrossing and they seem to be getting a little confused. Right. So. You know, from from there, I guess seeing the the differences in like the prices and also just in general, like how much it might cost just to get tested, mm-hmm. it it kind of blew my mind to see how a lot of these lower income families are being affected by COVID nineteen, and that's where I can personally see the overlap. Right. You know, and again, just just me even saying lower income families, I guess you can use that synonymously with persons of color. Right. Be just because of the connection already established. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I just, I just think like you know, what was very interesting about this entire topic is that when we first thought about it and we started looking into it, it almost looked like we were going to see a direct connection, right? Like almost like a genetic connection between mm-hmm. <laughs> being black and and being at risk for COVID nineteen. Yeah. But I guess what made it so complicated and the reason why the the research was so dense and immense is because once you start to realize all the little things that have happened in the past, yeah, you know, all the, the systems that we have set up mm-hmm. that are leading to this unfolding, like, you know, the results we're seeing. And I think you and I were talking about it earlier and I even said, like, I think the most interesting thing about COVID-19 is that it's, it's bringing into the light those issues that we've had as far as healthcare is concerned as a system as a system prior Mm. prior to the to this pandemic you know like i called it pre-pandemic america and you're like that's not the first pandemic but i thought i was inventing something there but honestly it's it's profound (laughs) to say it that way it is so 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 essentially we're 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 obviously we focus more on understanding pre-pandemic america in a way because what we're Mm. seeing with covid19 isn't because of any genetic connection between being black and getting covid19 it's more to do with why you know accessibility like you said you mm. know just like the income itself and you know that's like well once we start getting into reasons and like i think i think that should, that we should probably go into that next oh, yeah, like, true. after we started looking into it we're like okay like why why are things this way like why why is it that um healthcare is, is so, so lopsided right yeah. like why is it so different from race to race or from black comparing black people to white people for like better terms yeah. And um 
one of the one of the things that we found, of course, like off rip, you know, one of the things expected was just discrimination, just downright yeah. discrimination, racism, yeah. as far as um, systemically people, speaking, yeah, systemically yeah. and also direct. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not it's not news to hear that certain certain hospitals, at least, have have um, handled treating people of color differently mm-hmm. to 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 white people. Like I think we've seen um, so many cases like that that have come up and we've seen it. and i remember um one of them it was based on a true story so i like watching this show it's called uh resident it's it's based on um this guy who's like a resident in a, in a, in a hospital mm-hmm. and it's like a smaller version of Grey's anatomy and the reason why i like it is because i don't have to watch like 14 seasons to catch up <laughs> so it's like relatively new and i watched it and one of the episodes that they had they had a husband who came to the hospital with his wife who was about to give birth and they gave birth successfully and had the baby, but the wife was complaining about um, having abdominal pain, mm-hmm. and the doctor was just like brushing it off, saying, "You know, um, you're fine. It's okay. It happens to every woman. Like it's okay. You know." Until the guy was like, "Hey, like my my wife's like in and out of consciousness at this point because of this pain," and that's when he was like, "Oh, maybe there's something wrong." And then they found out, I guess, during the birth something went horribly wrong, and they didn't detect it at first, and uh, the woman ended up passing away. And the doctor, they asked the doctor, and the doctor was like, oh, I didn't even know that, like, I, I handled the case differently to how I normally would have. It's kind of like those subtle microaggressions that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like people don't even realize they have them. Mm-hmm. But then after the episode was over, it, like, turned out that this was actually based on a true story. And there was a guy who is, like, a great supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement, and he was speaking at one of the rallies, and he was saying, like, you know, we need to change um, society, even when it comes to healthcare, you know, that we think is supposed to be, you know, the same for everybody, right? Non-discriminatory. Yeah. And he was like, if if it was the case, like my wife would still be here, my son wouldn't be like motherless, and uh, you know, it really it really touched me. But that's just me trying to say it's real, right? Like the yeah. the discrepancy as far as discrimination directly from healthcare professionals is real, and then you look yeah. at systemically as well, like it's also very real. And that's just, that's just like the one obvious example. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, um, that, that, you know, you were speaking about earlier, is just like access to healthcare, just insurance, the differences in, in insurance, you know, mm-hmm. other people not being able to afford the, the big insurance that would probably cover more of the bill if they ever had yeah. to, if they ever, if they ever had to receive like a full on treatment for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So you have that in, that deters a lot of people from lower income areas seeking help, even if they do have the symptoms. Yeah. Right? Um, under access to healthcare as well, we look at lack of transportation to go to set hospitals. Yeah. Um, you know, like we're talking um, areas that not everybody has a car or like not everybody can afford mm-hmm. to just get a taxi or an uber or something like that and to go to the go hospital to get a so, test or whatever it may be exactly some people look at that as a waste of money to just go and get tested and then nothing yeah. you know it's like that in itself deters people from from even going and it's just it's just a bunch of stuff man you know when i started yeah. looking into this like small things that you you almost take for granted like the inability to take time off for work mm. you know like True. that in itself affects people's access to healthcare because if they're working at a job where they can't get time off or can't afford to get time off, mm. then they're probably going to work through those symptoms, you know? Yeah. And, um, of course these are things that also exist not only for COVID-19, but for probably a lot other issues as well. Like mm-hmm. almost a tough love type of way of dealing with, with, with illness, um, yeah. in, in lower income areas. Absolutely. Um, 
so yeah, all those things like language barrier as well. Um, and the one that struck me the most was the distrust. Apparently, I don't even, I didn't even know this. Was, it was like, it, when I read it, I was like, it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. It obviously made sense. But to me, it was still very profound. It was like people distrust healthcare systems because of past experiences of discrimination or at least the knowledge that they have that they're discriminatory in a, in a way. Mm. So that deters people from going to, to, to seek help because they think that, oh, they're going to give me the wrong drug. That's probably going to affect my health or... It's just, I was, I was really, it, it really shocked me that, because like you said, it's not a new concept, you know, like yeah, you said no. earlier, you said, I know people that are like that, like people that don't trust hospitals and like, I know people that are like that too. My grandparents were like that, you know, mm-hmm. like they're like, oh, I don't, you don't trust the drugs that they give. And I didn't even realize that it's so rampant. It actually affects people of a certain group more than the other. Yeah. And I think this distrust is based on. Well, it's based in a place where it's kind of like the way African-Americans are viewed within America or Mm -hmm. black people are viewed in America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's easy to say that, oh, this is this. So in actuality, I guess it stems from, you know, this victim kind of like state of mind or it's like, oh, or what was me? But in actuality, like you really can't blame a lot of the people who have this mindset, you know, like even if you use the example from that guy in the residence that was based on a true story. It's like, you know, I don't blame him if he had a distrust of the healthcare system for the rest of his life because he lost his wife. Like, you know, it's, it's not based in this, this fairy tale mindset. It's based in the concept that I know there, like someone saying, I know there are stereotypes about me and I know they might be thrown in my face. So I'm going to avoid even being put in that situation before it harms me. Right. You know? And that's, that's just kind of, I guess, the way things have shaken out within mm-hmm. the healthcare system specifically. And it's a shame that a lot of people are, you know, lacking care or failing to get that care, not even just because they don't want to. Because that, that even though uh, there is a lack of distrust, there is a sense of distrust, that is true. But I don't believe that that's the most common theme. I think a lot of it is just that access and just the right. way that a lot of African Americans are treated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of that, like, you know, right. a lot of that, I guess, small, um, a lot of that small, like, I guess, or not small, a lot of that difference comes from, mm-hmm. right? And even when you kind of, I guess, look at these numbers of, you know, like all these numbers of, I guess, lower, all, all these numbers of like African-Americans, you know, getting COVID-19 or all these different healthcare experiences, like, you know, they're, they're negative and they're poor, but you know, that doesn't even involve other persons of color. Like, you know, the number is a lot larger than you may think. So, I mean, it's, it's a shame. And I guess looking at the reasons for, you know, that, that difference in healthcare among Mm -hmm. lower income areas or just persons of color Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, an affluent group of people, you know, rich or maybe even white people, I guess, you know, looking at those reasons, you start to, I guess, ask the question okay so is it more so just an african-american problem and to that i say no i think it's it's a society thing it's a society issue it's not just um black people that have you know fed into this mindset that you know there are stereotypes about me Mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna have to run with them and just kind of like i shrug it off and move forward like you know it's it's society's job and it's society's i guess fault that these stereotypes are created you know mm-hmm. whether that's black people's fault you know hispanic people's fault asian people's fault white people's right. fault it 
it does matter. Mm-hmm. It does matter whose fault it is. Mm-hmm. But and we do have to understand the root of these problems. Mm-hmm. But I think it's our job as a whole, right, to do something about it. So even though it may not affect, let's say you know, let's say like you know, there's a rich person who lives down the street, and you know, they're not part of a minority, a group of people, or and they're in the top 1% of earners in this country, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say none of these things affect them or have, like, you know, some type of effect in, you know, whether or not they contract COVID-19, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. or have a low, like have a poor diet because of the area they live in, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's still up to them to have a say and still up to them to try to battle that stereotype because, you know, you're part of what keeps that stereotype alive right. or kills it. Right. So I think that's that's a collective effort. You no, know? I think I think I think you raise a good point there. And I mean, um, one of the things that we discovered when we were looking into all this is that, like, I think it's a legitimate fear as far as um, people looking at it or at least some people looking at it as something that is no longer their problem just because it doesn't affect them in the same manner that it affects somebody else. And I think that's 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 that becomes more obvious, you know, why anyone would have that kind of mindset when you look at the fact that primarily the reason why if some of the reasons why um people of color or lower income families are at high risk of 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 getting COVID-19 apart from the ones we've already spoken about it you know talking about just healthcare in general and they are access to it mm-hmm. is like you look at their occupations like most of these work in areas that they can't just stay at home like when we're considering yeah. quarantine like they have to keep going to work some of it's like factory work or or supermarkets or grocery stores or stuff like that where they're coming in contact with a lot of people and obviously risking risking their own lives mm-hmm. then you you know it's 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 an income thing like you said earlier where you can't afford the health care that you that you require and then it's also a housing thing you know when you look at these yeah. urban areas or um, a lot of people live and, close together right it's they're very high density areas and a lot of people live live close to each other and a lot of people have relatives and family that they live with you know like yeah. one household has a lot of people in it mm-hmm. you know uh per square mile or whatever whatever thing you use in america <laughs> and i mean even getting <laughs> like you know um older individuals in the family right. into like nursing homes mm-hmm. and i think at that point that's a familiar that's like a that's a cultural difference too i've noticed that yeah um, fair enough. you know there's not a lot of a lot of the elders in the family are going to stay with you know, the oldest in the family, like the oldest, I guess, daughter Child or older. yeah, mm-hmm. daughter yeah. or, you know, son in the family. Yeah. So, like, I know, like, even, for example, like my grandmother, like, you know, we would never put her in a nursing home. Like, right. it just it wouldn't happen right. unless it's literally like, you know. B- wow, geez. <laughs> Is this you struggling to imagine a scenario in which you'd absolutely have to? Dude, that's literally exactly <laughs> what it was. Like, it's I couldn't hilarious. imagine it ever happening. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. Yo, I that. really wish people could see your face when that all happened because Dude, I, was I was like staring like a- right at you when that happened. <laughs> okay, well, uh, note to self: Raph will never put his it's grandmother in nursing home. It's literally never gonna happen. Okay, sorry. Jeez, <laughs> I just had a mean. Brain but yeah, fart. no, it's it's definitely it's definitely like a, a culture thing, like you said. Like, I mean, I, I, I understand that um, definitely. But just going back to the point that I was trying yeah. to make over this whole thing was just that um, it's easy to see why that mentality might arise. And also, it's not that far-fetched when you look at just the way that the pandemic has been 
people have been receiving it right like you see mm-hmm. a lot of people that are still argumentative about wearing masks all that kind of thing yeah uh, you know um and i think one of the things that i guess america did to try and convince people to to be smart about their movements or like to wear masks and stuff like that is to try and make it more real for them right yeah like it, it's almost like you have to consider the people closest to you. Like, oh, would you want your grandparents getting ill? And everyone's like, oh, I don't want my grandparents to get sick. So maybe I should stay inside. Yeah. And I guess when you remove that connection, when you, when you remove that moral responsibility, it's almost like that, you know, like it, it's real. It's, it's, it's a real fear to think that I guess once people start to look at it as something they are not at risk at, uh, you know, at not at risk of anymore, yeah. will their behavior change and i'm i strongly think that it will and that's been the biggest fear with people that have openly shared about this r- regarding this kind of information is just that the mm-hmm. way that they wanted to be received the way that we're even us were talking about it is mm-hmm. to try and bring awareness so people are more understanding and hopefully come up with solutions to figuring it out mm-hmm. but it, it there's a there's a risk you run uh you know simultaneously that other people are going to look at this and think that it, it it disconnects them from the situation and brings them further away and so their actions don't really matter and so the next time we talk about reopening businesses and schools it's going to be like yeah sure why not i mean it's not like i'm gonna get sick you know what i mean yeah so you're definitely right. You're definitely right that even though it may look like it's not your fault, there's still a responsibility since we're essentially we. I said we. Look, look at that. Maybe I'm American now. <laughs> we're we're um, one nation at this point, right? Like one yeah. group of people, at least one Earth. You know, one one um, people, right? Essentially, and so if you yeah. if your actions are gonna affect somebody else, then you should have the heart to tell you not to do it even if it doesn't affect you directly and i guess that's mm-hmm. that's that's very very important that we stress that out that even though we keep talking about how people of color or lower income households that are at high risk and even if you're not necessarily part of that group you still have a responsibility to the people that are a part of that group to still stay safe still wear a mask still quarantine if need be and not be reckless yeah absolutely um I guess after that, you know, we could probably just move into um, talking about some of the stuff that comes about the data itself. You know, like I, mm. I, um, we, we, we did, of course, a lot of homework ourselves, but it was hard to certainly because it in certain instances, it felt very incomplete. Um, oh, yeah, it did. It absolutely did. And I think even even like the CDC and other big research groups have agreed, hey, this data is is very incomplete and the connections that we're making may not be as accurate. But I guess it, it differs depending which way you're looking at it. Like a lot of people mm-hmm. are saying it's actually not accurate because there's no discrepancy. And then the people they're saying it's not accurate because the discrepancy is a lot bigger than we think right now. And oh, yeah. I guess that that confusion is probably why um, there hasn't been as as much attention mm. on the on the topic as 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 much as there probably should have been. So I guess we can just move into that, right? Like, what do you think about like people reporting on the inaccuracies? Like, do you think it's more of a shortage of data, so the connection isn't real, or like is the connection more real than it actually is than than we're seeing it to be right now? I mean, personally, I believe that the connection between lower income areas and the contraction of COVID-19 is a lot bigger than Mm -hmm. I feel like people really let on just because I feel as though, you know, it just, for me, it ties back to the testing. 
You know, for me, right. it ties back to the testing because I feel like the amount of people who probably contracted COVID and they didn't even know they had it is probably a lot more than I think people are willing to let on. You know, it's and like I said before, it's super expensive. So, you know, not many people just have that kind of money to just right. pay out of the pocket, you know, or not a lot of people have that insurance that's going to cover 95 percent of it Mm -hmm. and even then imagine if they do have the insurance but they don't have the money to still cover that so i mean i personally think that the number is and i think i think the number is bigger and i think the connection is there um i think you know those that are kind of saying that like oh the connection isn't quite there the numbers like are really low Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a little naive to think that you know it's as easy as that as it sounds uh-huh. because nothing like, especially like with a virus, like I don't think it's as, it's not as easy as just looking at the numbers that you have right. and saying that, Oh, this is it. Like, you know, we did it. Like you could be pulling numbers from an area that's recovering. Uh-huh. You know, how am I, how am I supposed to know that for sure? Right. You, right? you were very, I'm sorry to no, cut you ahead. out there, but you were, you were, you actually spoke about that. Funny enough. Was it, um, was it episode four maybe? Or was it five? You said, you said something about, no, it was when we were talking about the the um, CDC when when they like they were not no longer be going to be the ones receiving COVID data and they were moving into the HHS and uh, you were saying they're going to change the hospitals they're getting their data from. Oh and yeah. And you said you wanted to know like what the the sampling procedure was for that. Yeah. Like, is it is they it going to from... dilute it? Is it going to make it more focused? Like what is going to happen? Yeah. There? They said that they're going to pull numbers. Like I know the they said the numbers are moving from like three thousand. Originally, the CDC was pulling from three thousand six hundred mm-hmm. hospitals, or at three thousand five hundred, and they're apparently going up to forty three or forty four hundred, mm. which is awesome, right? It's it's it right. looks good on paper, but mm-hmm. like imagine if you're just removing. All those, you know, bad hospitals or the hospitals that are having like a lot of spikes Hmm. and you're just kind of looking at those hospitals that are slowly dwindling out. Right. Right, So, like, you don't want that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously it's I guess it would be great if you want to reopen, if you want to force reopening. (laughs) But it's like it's I think for the most part, it would be it's deceptive and it's not really fair to those who aren't already who are already lower income and already, you know, like they're underrepresented right. in our culture, in our, mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would, I would kind of hope that, you know, some people who kind of see these numbers going down and then saying like, Oh no, it's obvious. Like, you know, we're, we're doing great. And like, honestly, to me, I feel like the only example I needed to really say to say like, is it really that easy is just hearing about Florida. It's like, you know, like just just earlier, we were like, oh, New York is the epicenter. Like New York is New York City is going like it's very poor. Like, you know, numbers are going up like the right. deaths are bad. Right. And then all of a sudden things get a little quiet. And then all like Florida's like spiking out yeah, of Florida nowhere. Straight up, like hold my beer. Straight Literally. Up. Like, it's it, like it came from nowhere. Exactly. But that's the thing. I feel like it really didn't come from nowhere. Mm. That's 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 my I guess my concern. It's like I feel like it's not really just coming from nowhere. Like I feel like it's been there. It's just the limelight hasn't been put on it. And I think when you're able to get a research that's fully representative of not just these areas that are recovering or not just these mm-hmm. areas that, you know, are, you know, doing, I guess, slightly better, you mm-hmm. know, from when the spike last happened, then I think you'd, you'd be able to pinpoint the populations that really need to be focused on. Like if right. you're, if you're looking, let's say you're looking at all bad hospitals, right? 
it's like or like at that point you're like oh no like that means the numbers are being inflated right like everyone's going to be like oh no you're just trying to like make it sound way worse than it actually is right then you look at all the good hospitals and it's like oh no you're making the numbers look way better than they actually are but if you look at everything as a whole then it just helps you look at where you need to be focusing where you need to be focusing your resources right, right. that's the way that i see it so mm-hmm. it's when you kind of look at these higher and at risk you know populations then you'll be able to determine, okay, are these higher at-risk populations actually being put at risk? Or is it just, like, you know, a lot of these compounding factors that, I mean, make it look like they are going to be put at risk, but they're currently not, so we can hold off on it. But if if these if this population is, you know, going to be having future issues from mm-hmm. what we can be educationally guessing, right, and they actually do experience those problems, then we can at least say we saw it coming. Right, and I think... You know, like you're, you're definitely right, and uh, that just reminded me that that was actually one of the counter arguments that a lot of researchers were using to that whole question of morality. When we said, "Does it? Do we get to a point where people start looking at it as not my problem anymore, and so I shouldn't <laughs> take action or, or care about it?" And one of the things was, yeah, while we run the risk that by exposing this type of information to the public, we could get <laughs> that response. It's also crucial that we get that information out there so we can focus our efforts as far as testing and treatment to the people mm-hmm. that most needed exactly. as well as catering methods of testing or getting to them um based on the demographics and the geographical mm-hmm. location for example you know like yeah. they said something like uh i don't know what i don't know what uh was it georgia maybe i don't know but they essentially had like a drive-through testing mm-hmm. uh they had a drive-through testing but then they changed it from uh, a drive-through testing to them setting up testing facilities yeah they set up like testing facilities in um different different like areas like low income households just because they didn't have the transportation to come to drive through mm. you know testing they didn't have the cars to do that or if even if they did there'll be too many people in that car or something so okay. i guess it's just it's just important that as we g- gather this information and get to learn more and more about each particular area or each group of people or you know whatever and the more information we have the better and i think as far as where we're at right now, and as much as the current information that we have, the current data is a little bit inaccurate, right? Like we we're talking about, what, what was that? Was it was it Georgia again? <laughs> Let me. I don't know what it was. It was um, West Virginia, right? It was West Virginia. Oh yeah. <laughs> that were generalizing. They were generalizing like race into like white, black, and other. Mm, so yeah. of course it's gonna affect the way if we if we ever try to look at um another minority group within West Virginia we probably wouldn't have the data. Yeah. But what we're seeing even from just the little that they've given is that they, they we could definitely move on. We can we can move forward and try and get more data, you know, and try and get more information. And I know they said some states are really messing it up, they including Hispanics under the white category. Jeez. And I know that made you very furious because you that, that was just the most confusing thing I've ever heard. Like I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> like no disrespect. Like absolutely right, no right, disrespect. But it's like I just don't quite understand how we can have so many conversations like this and like constantly say like, Oh, like minorities, this, blah blah blah, this, that and the third and then all of a sudden you combine Hispanics and white people. Like that just doesn't really quite make yeah, much sense. Probably. I guess statistically speaking, I guess that's what disappointed me because yeah. at this point it's not even like it's like I I want our statistics regarding especially stuff like this. It has to be held to a high standard. It can't be it can't just be with an agenda. And I right. get it. Like me even saying the word agenda 
brings a political connotation to it. Frankly, I don't care about the political connotation <laughs> to it. I just right. want it to be consistent across the board. Right, right. And I'd rather, you know, like whether it may, whether it pisses off some people on the left, some pisses off some people on the right, I don't care. Right. Well, like, as long as, you know, you're getting a full set of numbers and then you make a decision based off of those numbers, right. that's what should, you know, should be done. Yeah. But I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of try to like inflate it one way or the other. And like, and right. if, if it does look lopsided i think if it looks lopsided in in a situation like this i think you know you should be asking questions right and then you know once you're done asking questions ask what are you going to do about it right you know if it if that does seem to be the case no definitely with 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 the information we have and the evidence we have like we know that that connection exists there's definitely Mm -hmm. has to be there definitely has to be an interest as far as um re i don't know investigating i guess or reanalyzing healthcare for for different uh, minority groups mm-hmm. or racial groups or ethnic groups in america mm-hmm. um covid19 has has helped quote unquote in that it's been able to bring everything into the limelight just because you know it's lethal it's been killing people so there's a bigger demand for that kind of information mm-hmm. and so resources for people have been available to do that kind of research that maybe in the past you know, they wouldn't have been given resources to do as well as just the audience. No one was willing to listen probably at the yeah. time. So I guess in a way that benef- that's beneficial because even we get to talk about it now. I know, you know, people listening now, it's it's going to become a conversation. And as it becomes more and more of a conversation, we're going to see more people willing to look into that area and do more research and be better at gathering the data necessary for us to establish a, um, a more complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and really focus our efforts on the areas that needed the most and the people that needed the most and hopefully in the process fix some of the underlying health issues or health care issues that have existed prior to even COVID-19. So for now, definitely, we have enough information to move forward, which is great. And um, we could probably start, like, establishing steps to to, to, to cause change. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's really all we have on the COVID thing, but before we hop off, I know you wanted to talk a little bit yeah. about just telling people that maybe this, the way we just handled this episode, the intersectionality that you called it, we are going to probably experience a lot of that. Yeah. Probably. And I mean, I think, you know, regarding, I mean, I appreciate like, you know, the way you explained that at first it's, you know, moving on, like, you know, looking at both of these topics, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be minority groups, whether it be, you know, African-American communities, black communities. Mm -hmm. Um, From this point forward, it can't really like I know we've been kind of like, I guess, um, trying to simplify things a little bit. And it's it's good. It's good to simplify these things, you know, to have a good base. But when it comes to, you know, a lot more of the issues that have been coming up, whether it be in the media, whether it be within your family, whether whether it be within your friends, you know, the issues are going to start compounding, you know, Mm -hmm. even when you look at, um, I haven't mentioned it yet on this episode, but, or on this podcast, but, you know, even the conversation, um, surrounding the relationship between, um, black women and black men, right. That's a very, very complicated conversation. Like, you know, I've been trying to reach out to a lot of different, um, black women in my life that I completely respect and I appreciate, Mm -hmm. you know, and that conversation between myself and them has gotten so, so complicated and so layered that I've literally had to take breaks because it's just like, (laughs) I'm not only trying to discuss, 
you know, the differences and, you know, also issues regarding sexism Mm -hmm. between us, like between myself and themselves as like, you know, a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. But also you start to add on the layer of, you know, racism. And, you know, like there's there's racism between, you know, like African-American men and African-American women. And yes, this may seem like, you know, there's a lot of issues within the black community that, you know, all black people have to to have to handle that. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a root in all and of this. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's still a conversation for everybody. Exactly. It's still a conversation for anybody. Right. So, like, you know, um, I, we're still going to make every episode obviously relevant to mm-hmm. every one of our listeners, right? Yeah, right, and, right. But, you know, this is meant to be kind of like educational, meant to be like knowledgeable for everyone to learn, to delve more into you know, these different aspects of society and culture that maybe they haven't been exposed to yet, or maybe they haven't, you know, been willing to learn about until a time mm-hmm. such as this. So, you know, this, I guess me saying all that, I guess is just an example to say that, you know, a lot of the topics that we've been explaining, they're so intersectional that like, you know, we'll be talking about two, three, four different, you know, conversations in one. Right. And it's a lot to follow and like, you know, delve into at once. But, you know, once you really get into it, it's definitely like really beneficial. So, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, more of the conversations we can have, you know, regarding intersectional issues. You know, whether we discuss um, any future topics such as, you know, whether it be sexism or anything like that you know just let us know if you'd like to hear our opinions on stuff like this i mean i know we've been talking a lot about you know covid and black lives matter and the intersection between those two with this episode Mm -hmm. but i definitely think there's you know more to be said regarding other social issues going on right now right you know and I, i didn't even really i didn't even get the chance to mention you know the layer that is added on top of what just passed is pride month you know like kind of when you add that layer too it right. adds like the conversation becomes even more complicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of, I guess my take on, you know, today's episode. And I kind of, I really hope you guys appreciated it. Right. And I yeah. really hope you guys liked yep. it. Um, you know, it's, I missed it. I missed it. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I missed recording. It was, it was weird to not record for like a week, but, um, yeah. we appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good week. DM us if you have any ideas or anything like that, but yeah, catch you. Peace. Cheers.